Good Friday, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com podcast brought to you by Blue Water Climate Control. We appreciate you joining us today. Be sure to check out Blue Water Climate Control at BlueWaterClimateControl.com or you can check them out on Twitter at BlueH2O underscore climate. Check them out as uh, we appreciate their continued support of the podcast. With Jesse Simonton, Austin Price, and Rob Lewis, I'm Brent Hubbs. Glad to have you along with us. Let's jump right into basketball. Rob, you said on the Tuesday podcast you weren't sure if this Tennessee team was going to win again. You thought it was a tough road to hoe for them. Um, certainly in, in Fayetteville, Arkansas, you thought that would be a tough environment. Arkansas plays really well. Tennessee's turnover problem has become uh, almost an epidemic at this point. I mean, it, it's gone from being – uh, sort of an issue to the biggest issue surrounding this team, particularly offensively right now. Well, it, I mean, it certainly wasn't the first half. I mean, they cleaned that up significantly after halftime, but by then, it, I mean, they were in a 13-point hole. They had five, you know, five turnovers before they made five shots last night. They're down, you know, 14-1, to one, just bang, out of the gate. Auburn, I mean, Arkansas got rolling, which is exactly – I mean, everything that happened last night is exactly what you don't want to happen on the road. You've got to right. start well. You can't let the other team get rolling offensively, get the crowd into it. And, and Tennessee, you know, let all that happen. They, you know, Mason Jones just absolutely go off after they handled him in Knoxville. It's 37 points last night. Um, just, I mean, t- I mean t- I'll give Tennessee, you know, you have to give Tennessee credit. They came back after halftime, showed some spark, but – that was only the second time all year, Georgia being the other one, where I thought that they just showed up and just just weren't ready out of the gate. Is is Vescovi, I mean, is that a freshman wall thing a little bit? Do you think it's a scouting report on him now? Um, and look, I mean, obviously Arkansas was more prepared for him this go-around than they were the first time they played him. But, you know, he struggled at Auburn. I know part of that was foul trouble, but he had turnovers. He's had turnover issues. I, I thought at Arkansas was probably the worst he has played, as ineffective as he has been. Is that just people having to scout on him now, you think, a little bit? Or is that a little bit of the freshman wall well, that I mean, he's dealing with? I mean, I think it's people having to scout on him. And I think it's him being the same age as, you know, most as, as, as high school seniors right now playing against, you know, 22, 23-year-old guys. I mean, I don't – I mean, I just, I just have a hard time being remotely critical of Viscovi given – what he was thrown into out of the gate. And I mean, no, I mean, he wasn't good last night, but I mean, I, I just think you have to sort of expect that's going to happen. Better than James. Yeah, he was, but I mean, that's just, I mean, the, with everything that's been put on the kid's plate, I just, I just have a hard time singling him out. You know, well, I, don't, I mean, I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be critical of him. I'm just, you know, pointing out that, you know, that's a guy that they've given the, you know, they, they've been forced to give the ball to and he's, He's had some good moments. It's just he's not played as well the last couple of three, the last couple games in particular with some timely turnovers and, you know, looks like looks like it's it's a little bit of a struggle. The defensive end's been a struggle for him. He's not the reason they lost last night. I mean, or on on Wednesday, I'm not I'm not putting it all on him. But if Tennessee's going to beat somebody down the stretch here, he has to play well. So so my my question is. What, why has there been some struggles by I mean, I him? Think, the last I think few it's games. one of the same. I mean, I think the freshman wall is the them getting a, 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 another look at him, getting a, a you know another scout. Yeah, sure. I, mean, I mean, you know, you're able to make make corrections. I mean, and, and coaches play a different way. You know, coaches and players alike. You know, leave that first game going, man, that little sucker can play. Yeah, <laughs> we're at the, you know, right. ready the next time. I mean, he's a part of the game plan. And this is, I mean, Rob has delved into this, whether podcast 
on the site, you know, TV, what have you. But there's also just a roster construction problem with this team where you enter this 17 or however old he is kid into the mix midseason, and he instantly becomes really only the second guy after Bowden that can actually hit a shot outside. James can ostensibly, but he hasn't. He really hasn't done it in the last you know month or six weeks. You look at the box score from from last night uh, or two nights ago. I mean, Bowden was the only guy that hit a three. Right. No one else even really wants to attempt him besides Vescovi, so he doesn't have a ton of space there. He was zero for four, uh, but that's just tough when you're when you're relied on you know mid-season to now to you're you're as literally as this supposed to be the second option in terms of spreading the floor well and and i think what he's done is remarkable i I mean i I don't think that there's any question that it's pretty it's pretty amazing uh for for what he has done i I just you know it, it it seems like the game's a little harder for him right now and i think it probably is because guys are are you know scouting on him differently and and doing some things differently to him but again He's not the he's not the reason why this team lost a game or you know or anything like that. That's not fair to suggest. And I'm not suggesting that in any way. I, I think it's turnovers on the offensive end. Um, and, and again, I mean, in the first half against Arkansas, Rob, I didn't think they forced the ball in, inside enough. No, um, that's they, they did in the second half, and and they scored quickly. You know, I mean, it was. I mean, I thought Tennessee was going to lose by forty. Right. I mean, not forty, but just you know, just not you know, Arkansas is going to coast the whole way, and then they they do get it inside and. You know, six or seven minutes into the second half, it's 45-43. You know, holy crap. Right. I didn't see that coming. And then, obviously, we saw what happened. I mean, Eric Musselman decided he was going <laughs> to make Tennessee defend a high ball screen for the last 15, 14 minutes of the game, and we all saw how that worked out. Well, and that, that's the other question. Without, I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not an X's and O's basketball expert, but, I mean, Auburn went to the high ball screen well, um, you know, down the stretch, and they're – and, and their comeback, and then obviously to put that game away, Arkansas went to it effectively. Let's go back to Kentucky in you the know, last four minutes of that game. They're going to see it. What, what's what's Tennessee's? I mean, what, what, without diving into X's and O's that are over my head, yeah, is this is this is it because you've got your your bigs can't handle it? Are they not hedging it? I mean, what do you think they got to do differently on the high ball screen? I mean, I, I think it. I mean, part of it is just personnel, but I mean, Eves Ponds is. You know, probably going to be an All SEC defensive player, and I also think I mean he I mean as I mentioned in the war room he's dealing with tendonitis in his knee. I think his lateral movement is not what it was. I mean that's a bad. I mean his his fundamentals were just bad on third. I mean he's he's better than that. I mean he, but, you go watch his footwork in that game and his he's constantly moving backwards. And the knee, the is, knee is a real problem right now. I mean he's he's really been dialed back in practice. He's not. I mean Rick's not come out and said a lot about it publicly, but you know I don't know if that's the reason that. They, they had such a hard time last night, I mean, and I, don't, I mean that's not Fulmerson's game. I mean, I don't, I don't, you know, if you get him twenty feet away from the basket, trying to hedge out on Mason Jones, that's a that's a tough ask for Fulky. I mean, maybe they need to go back and look at you know how, how they're defending it. I don't know, but it's I mean any lead guard in the SEC is a tough matchup for Viscovi right now. Yeah, no question. And 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 of course Bowden having the foul trouble that you know he, he was dealing with that probably limited some things he could do defensively. But you you know Kentucky. Auburn, Florida. I mean, that those three teams are going to play high ball screen until Tennessee deals with it better, don't you think? Sure, absolutely. They are. I mean, I, I mean, I, I mean, Florida. Florida runs a lot of high ball screen stuff. Um, and Rick likes to switch everything. 
Right. You know, he feels like you know he feels and he feels like he has some lineups where he can do that. And, and Folky does move pretty well for a five, but you know, again, twenty feet from the basket, he's he, you can put him in no man's land. Yeah, I think I just think that that's they're going to have to figure out a, a better way to handle that and, and to find an answer to that uh, down the stretch if they're going to if they're going to have a chance. They're not going to have it. Three, I, I I agree. Three I'm games saying, left until the off season. I, I'm just saying if they're going to have a chance to be. Four. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> to, to be to be in these games defensively for a team that's been a good defensive team all year oh, long. That, I mean, that's okay. So right, right now, a, that's an area where opponents have figured something out. Right, and what to me, what they figured out is the high ball screen. I mean, that's they, been the most effective. I mean, Tennessee, game. even I mean, not just and, and even if you just look at conference games, you throw non-conference out. Tennessee's been the best defensive team in the league in terms right. of, and you know, part of that's pace of play. They don't play real fast, but you know, they're not Virginia by any means, and they're giving they were giving up 62 points a game before last night. And, Arkansas tied Mississippi State for the most anybody's gotten, 86 points. And, you know, part a lot of that was the high ball screen. Arkansas also scored 25 points off, tur- off turnovers. Yeah, I'm 18 in the first half, which was a huge factor in, in that game as well. Uh, obviously, Florida comes to town. It's a Florida team that started to figure it out. Um, you, you've been talking about Florida for the yeah. last week and a half, two weeks, coming together. looks like they've figured it out. Uh, they took care of business against LSU. Um, solidly, in my opinion, in the NCAA tournament field at this point. And I think a lot of people will put odds on them, Rob, to have a chance to win the SEC tournament with the way yeah, they're playing I mean, right I now. I think they may be playing better than anybody right now. Just, you know, and they lost at Rupp, but they, if Emmanuel quickly doesn't get hot and you know, drop in three or four three-pointers in a, in a few minutes in the second half, I think Florida is – and they were still in great position to win that game with two minutes left, so – I mean, just I, I think they're clicking, and they obviously they need wins. They need to pile up wins to improve their their seating to you know make sure that they get one of the double buys in Nashville. I just I, I don't like Tennessee's chances any of these next three games at all. I mean, if they're going to win one, I, I would think Auburn is their best chance at home in the finale, and, and I don't like their chances there. What, what do you make of the national people talking about this league need, deserving five six teams oh, in the God, tournament? No, I mean, no, I, not I, at I mean, all. I mean, am I missing something no. with the league? But I, mean, I, th- I, I think all that. I mean, I agree that I don't see them getting in five or six, but I think that just speaks more to the national landscape of how down this college basketball season is. Yeah, Big 12's is. not great. What you that, there, that there is just not a dominant – not only is there not a dominant – there's not even a collection of three or four teams that are like, all right, that, that's who you lay your money on in the tournament. I mean, I really think this is – you talk about parity and how wild, you know, how crazy March Madness can be. I think – it, it, it's as open as it's probably been in a long time, you know, heading into March now. Because uh, there are just not a lot of good teams. The Pac-12 is, like, raising a banner because they're having, like, their best season in, a, in you know, like four or five years because they may get, like, four teams in the tournament. And they've been, at, they've been getting, like, two. Right. You know, so it's – I just think it's a weird college basketball season. A, a team like South Carolina or Mississippi State may end up backing themselves into the, uh, a bid if they have a good showing in Nashville. I think Mississippi State's got the best chance. I think after last night or after, after they beat Alabama, I want to say they've got 17 wins right. with, with three games left. I, mean, I, I, I think they – you know, SEC's got, SEC has four logs, Kentucky, Auburn, LSU, Florida. After that, I mean, I, after that, you think it's you think it's South Carolina, Mississippi State, Alabama, Arkansas, by, by Biden for a fifth, Biden for a fifth spot. One of those. I mean, I, and I think Mississippi State has by far the best chance. I think South Carolina, Alabama, and Alabama hurt themselves by losing at Mississippi State the other night, and Arkansas, I think, has to win. Their, I'm not sure what the, the rest of their, you know, what the, what their final three games are, but 
there's six and nine in the league after last night. You know, maybe the committee looks at them not not having Isaiah Joe and going zero and five. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. But to me, it's Mississippi State or, or kind of bust if it started today. Yeah, I would hope that some mid-majors get an opportunity as an at-large. One if, there, would, if there's ever a year... One would think this would be the year that they would right. they would have a better show. I mean, Steve Forbes up in Johnson City has four losses on the regular season and a road win at LSU. I mean, if they were to stumble next week in the Southern Conference Tournament, I would... I mean, I would think they deserve that one. To me, they're more deserving of an at-large than a, a fifth than, than Alabama team or the, South Carolina right. who lost to Stetson and, and Boston yeah. University. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel that way. We'll see how the committee views it, but I'm with you, Jesse. I think this is going to be as wide open of a national tournament as maybe we've ever seen. The eyeballs are no- going to be, the eyeballs, I, I think, are going to be interesting, too. I mean, the, the, the ratings are always going to be good, but so many people also like wa- like to watch the tournament for the stars and for the guys that, you know, are supposed to be the future in the NBA, the Zions and these kind of guys. You go look at NBA mock drafts, there's not anybody in the top ten except for the one kid at um, St. Joe's, not St. Joe's, um, the Dayton school, the, the, Dayton, the, Dayton, the, kid. the Dayton kid, uh, that's like a top ten because they're either foreigners or it's like uh, Anthony Jordan that's not going to make it at Georgia, Wiseman who's not playing, uh, or Lonzo Ball and a couple other guys. You know, they're brothers that uh, are playing over in Australia and now sitting out. I mean, it's it's crazy. Just this is the, this is a really weird college basketball season. Well, and I think it's you know the question is is it going to get back to anything other than is this the new is this going to become the new norm? For college basketball, I think maybe, but I mean, we're just a year removed from a really absolutely crazy, you know, we had a bunch of high end talent and and all that stuff. So it probably cyclical, you know. I mean, you had a couple key injuries that that messed with some stuff and a couple lottery picks that went to teams that aren't going to make the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I mean, like one of the best players, you know, Georgia, North Carolina's got a really good player, you know, who's been battling injuries. So yeah, funky year. Yeah, it is definitely that for Tennessee. It's about you know what kind of what they got left in the tank, what do they have at home uh, against Florida, who comes to town um, this weekend to take home and, balls. And there'll be several kids in this week. I mean, like the regular, the season's fizzling out, but recruiting is. I mean, everybody knows what's on the way. Uh, going to be a pretty big weekend. Uh, Jabari Smith, number five player in the country from down in Atlanta. Unfortunately for him, lost in in the state playoffs last night to. Uh, Walker Kessler and company in a two-point game. We had our Brant Packer, VolQuest.com correspondent, was was keeping me informed of what was going on at, at the game. What's his What's his eval? I uh, mean, the Packer family knows a little bit about basketball, five, right? I mean, it, I don't know if Brant does. He's but a his six dad foot does. six foot nine shot maker. Uh, is is Brant on board with him? Brant's on board. Okay, he's on board. He's, he's got the Brant. He's got the Brant Packer seal of approval. So, six six foot nine shot maker, thin. Got I mean, got to get stronger. But he, he, number five rated player in the country. He's a junior. He'll be in town this weekend with his family. That's a, that's a very big visit. Uh, also expected in, in not, as um, Sterling Henderson, also from Atlanta, maybe expected in. Point guard from down in Atlanta, big-time guy. Um, and B.J. Edwards, Catholic kid, maybe a conflict with, with a game this weekend. Not sure about that. And if not, he will be in over the weekend. All and right. one name I haven't mentioned yet much in the, in the 2021 class but we need to keep an eye on <clears throat> is Musa Sisi from Memphis, six foot eleven guy that, that Tennessee has kind of picked it up on. He's got a game this weekend at Grace Christian, so probably not going to be able to – I think it's a 4 o'clock game. Tennessee would love to get him on campus. Not sure it will work out, but keep an, keep an eye on that one. Six foot eleven guy that the Vols have recently – He's in kept. town playing Grace. He's in town playing Grace, but 
the way you know Tennessee will probably be able, depending on what time the Florida game gets over, I'd say there'll, there'll be a coach probably show up for the second half, but not sure that there, there's a competition rule, right? If he's if you're playing, you can't talk to him prior to. If you can't talk, talk to him prior to. You can talk to him after the game. But he can't come. To, he can't make a visit if he's here. After the game. After he can after make, the game, I think he's free to go wherever. Okay, he wants but to anyway, go. keep an eye on Cisse and can't, Jabari, can't do anything on the front end. And Jabari Smith, big big time talent, will be in the gym Saturday. All right. So uh, interesting note there to keep an eye on. And of course, for the current, not to this current class, still potential maybe if I mean, somebody's got to leave, but for a grad transfer. Also, or a big man. I mean, I wouldn't rule that out. And again, you know, I, I hate to speculate about transfers, but if you're just being honest. Well, it's the world we live in. I'm not going to say names, but the well, fact I mean, that I'll, somebody I mean, left. This, this I mean, this could be really crowded on the perimeter next year. I mean, Josiah back, Jaden Springer here, Keon Johnson here, Santiago Viscovi here. I mean, that's four dudes who are going to take up a ton of minutes. Victor Bailey. Victor Bailey's going to get eligible five, and is going to play. I mean, probably – I mean, I think him and Santiago probably – Eat up the minutes at point guard, even though Bailey's not a true point, and it's going to be really crowded. If I'm, if I'm going to be a fifth-year senior that plays on the perimeter and is not getting a lot of minutes now, I might be looking around. Yeah, so we'll see what happens with that after this season's over and things move forward. There, we'll keep you up to date on the recruiting end, and obviously finish out this basketball season as Tennessee takes on Florida uh, tomorrow at Thompson Bowling Arena. Let's jump to the world of football. And um, you're a little over a week, week and a half away from the start of spring practice for Tennessee. I found this interesting. Um, and, and Jesse, I know you're going to have some stories on this. We're going to have some stuff on this um, moving forward. But uh, I saw a couple of stories out there about, you know, quarterbacks in the SEC, um, who are the best and that type of thing. And um, the transfers are getting all the love, as one would expect. you got the Costello kid coming into Mississippi State and the, what Mike Leach likes to do from Stanford. A lot of people think he's going to put up huge numbers. you got uh, the kid, Newman kid, going into Georgia. Everybody thinks he's going to put in uh, big, big numbers. Um, it's an odd year for quarterbacks in the SEC in, in general. When you're talking about transfers, maybe the, the two best players. Kelly Mond may be the third best quarterback in the SEC. Vastly different from a year ago when you, when you had uh, Fromm and you had Tua and then obviously you, you had small hands uh, birds come out of nowhere, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, a lot of folks seem to think that uh, – well, You knew he was going to get picked apart at the, at the NFL combine, oh, sure. right? He was Jesus this past I mean, year. You knew they were going to pick everything apart about him, so that's the best yeah, but, thing they found. But the, and out. the best thing – his retort to it was fantastic. So, uh, But for the 2020 season, I mean, the fact that you're arguing whether it's Kellen Mond or Trask, you know, who might be the best – returning quarterback to the league wow. it, it kind of speaks what volumes a, what a of what a, what a drop of, of where it's at that's not to say that the league doesn't have some guys with high upside like you know Bo Nix you know what, what what can he become uh at Auburn in year two um I, I'm kind of curious to to see what how how a guy like Costello fits in Leach's system I think that's going to be interesting you know, for Tennessee, JG notably has found himself in the middle or kind of lower half on a lot of those lists, and uh, I don't think that's particularly surprising. I mean, you know, I think right now JG kind of is what he is. The idea that maybe some magical light is going to turn on, Which, I don't see it. Now, that's not to say that he can't improve. That's not to say this is not a huge spring. I have a piece coming out about. 
you know, coming out, will probably come out early next week, maybe perhaps this weekend, whenever we decide to, to pull the trigger on it. But it's, uh, the quarterback room is going to be pretty fascinating this spring because the assumption is that is that J.G., you know, is the presumed starter until he isn't because right. Pruitt made it known that that was clearly, la- at least last season, the guy he most trusted. Well, and that's what I was going to ask you. Okay, a year ago, and, and anybody jump in here as well, so it was not just directed to, to Jesse. A year ago, Jeremy Pruitt in the offseason, after his first year never referencing his name, comes out and they, they, they talk about having cobbler or whatever they had at the house and breaking bread and getting to know each other. And, and Jeremy Pruitt says in the summer, hey, J.G.'s our guy. Okay, it, I mean, he is our guy. And, and it made sense because you had freshmen coming in and holding on yards. Fast forward a year, if you're Jeremy Pruitt, how do you manage, how do you manage that part of it? Not the reps, okay, because we know they're going to – you know, platoon practice, done all these, you know, like equal out reps early on, then it'll, it'll whittle itself down. See, I don't even know from how a, you do that. From a public Not standpoint. Not with five guys. From a, pub, from a publicity Plus standpoint, how do you do it? How do you handle it? Well, I think the way he's going to handle it publicly is, and I, I pulled the quote from my piece, so I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm just going to, you know, uh, synthesize it here. But it's the what he said after the bowl game, which is, you know, this is a – results-based business and if you're getting it done you're getting it done if you're not we'll look somewhere else and that was in a question to jg started the game was terrible against indiana they clearly didn't like what they saw from didn't like what they saw from hour so they put jg back in and he performed in the fourth quarter i think he was like seven for 11 for like 95 yards and he helped you know kind of spur the comeback i think he's going to take that same approach into the spring, into the fall, through the summer. My guess here is that as we sit here, you know, just before uh, March starts, I think if Jarrett Garantano loses the job in 2020, it's because he lost the job, not because Harrison Bailey, who everyone I know is very excited about, or Brian Maurer go out and wins the job. How would I mean? You know JG's all of us. You know JG. You, you agree or disagree I with mean, that? How would you? I don't. I don't disagree that you think someone else is going to be. I don't because I just think I think JG's going to. I, I think he I think was he going to lose the, the job. I think he starts versus the year. someone else beating him out for it. I agree with this, and and you know I'm interested to see how does Harrison do the spring because if Harrison does solid this spring and shows promise and in flashes. You know, I think they lose at least one of the combination of Shroud and Maurer. I don't know if they don't lose both. I, 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 I mean, agree. quarterback is going to be a position where you know it's easy to bounce. No, I, I think and, what, and what the what what the room looks like on March 10th or whatever they start spring practice is not going to be the same what it looks like on May 10th. I, I, when, when I this will deals. be the first to say it's not fair the pressure put on Harrison Bailey or kids like that. I mean, you know, I, I equate it to Josiah James. He was a five-star, and as Rob has pointed out numerous times, not all five-stars are created equal. But, you know, he's, he's just not been ready. You know, that's, you know, that's not saying Harrison won't be ready, but, I mean, history tells you he's probably not going to be. But, but, but can he be serviceable if they had to turn to him? If he is that, then I think those other guys bounce. Because, I mean, Maurer, listen, Matt, the mistakes Maurer was making in games 11, 12, and 13 – is different than the mistakes he was making in games three, four, and five. Because I think in 11, 12, and 13, you're not really a freshman anymore. 
you went through spring practice, you went through summer workouts, you went through fall, all the games. At that point, you can't make the same mistakes. That's what I'm saying. Like he was making the routinely throwing into double and triple coverage, and and just not well, not making the right reads. And that's why you know they would they would get frustrated with Jerry and put him in, and then they're like. Oh, this is worse jerking back out. Well, and that's why I think part of the difficulty this spring for Tennessee, when you have more scholarship quarterbacks that you're looking to get reps than you do scholarship inside linebackers, how you divvy up these snaps. It's true. It's true. It's this true. is a this is a real statement. I mean, it's a joke, but it's true. Uh, how you divvy up snaps is going to be fascinating because for Jarrett to take that step, this is you know it's going to be bandied about a lot, and I think it is true. You know, this is his, the first offseason of his career. He's going to be in the same system and have the same coach. So one would expect him to make some sort of growth there. But for that, for 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 him to improve his anticipation, for him to you but know it, understand it, the playbook better, that takes reps. You're not you're not seeding snaps like he did last late last fall, where Maurer and Shrout start getting more work. So then, had there's going to be a trickle down effect to where a guy like Brian Maurer, who did start games a year ago who did flash at least enough that they thought, hey, we'll give you a shot. Does he get as many opportunities in practice when you're still having to give Harrison opportunities? He's got to be significantly better. You promised Jimmy Holiday a chance to be a quarterback, not just be a Wildcat quarterback, and he needs work to be a quarterback. So I just I, how they do it is going to be pretty crazy. If he's contributing, it says a Wildcat quarterback. You know, but you're right. He needs the reps to continue to but, develop. But you're, also, but, but you're also in a world where guys are bouncing. So if if you don't want you don't want Jimmy Holiday to go, well, they never really gave me a shot. Yeah, and I have this yeah. in my piece. You know you how know, many Wildcat snaps they took a year ago? Six. I don't know how to tell me. Sixteen the whole okay. season. You know. So I mean, by the way, I think if you really want to get JG to to really take a taking a, a step in the right direction. you got to ditch the cobbler hubs, and you got to bring back the chip dip. I mean, the chip dip was a big player a couple of years ago. Let me, ask, let me ask this. You're over here making fun of me, and you come out with that. You drop that. You drop that out. And you're laughing at me chip, about stuff, and you drop that. Dip. Come on, chip, man. The chip dip of the week. Here, let, me, let me ask this, though. From the standpoint of reps, Rob, I mean, I, I, and, and I agree that, you know, J.G. needs reps, but is there a point in time where, as a coach, you say he is what he is? And I'm not saying you don't give him – reps but it is a little bit more of an equal rep because how much better is he going to get with more reps yeah, given he's four years into his I career i don't think so i think i mean he's still a 22 year old kid i mean guys develop once they get to the pros i mean i i, I don't think that at all i mean i think reps could i mean i think at that age i mean can, can certainly get better i don't i mean i'm i don't see how they're going to Get it. I don't see how there's enough reps. I mean, the there's also the factor the fact there is also the factor that you're trying to build a rapport with a brand new wide receiver room. Yep, I agree with that too. I just think it's good. I mean, I think there's two levels to this that are that are really kind of an interesting watch over the course of the next six weeks or so. One is just from a pure physical standpoint, how they manage the reps. Who do they give them to? And then I think there's the other side of it of how do they manage the mentality of the kids. Do you declare it a wide open competition? We're not going to declare anything. Do you come out and say, you know, coming out of spring that Jared's the front runner or Jared's the starter? Are you going to bracket five guys and say everybody's or? or are you just not going to talk about anybody specifically? I think, you know, because Probably we, the, we had two extremes in the first two years. You had the first yeah. year where Jeremy Pruitt, we know where he was with Jared. Jared drove him crazy. 
And then he comes out in year two and is like, well, this is the best option we've got because everybody else is a freshman. Jim Chaney's here. We've talked about it. I'm going to declare him the guy. Before he ever takes a snap in competition under Jim Chaney, he is the guy. And then that didn't work out real well either because he got bounced back and forth. We all know what happened to him last season. But he did pull him out of the fire on several occasions. So now the question is, what do you declare? Do you declare anything heading into the offseason, coming out of spring, to help continue to build that rapport with a bunch of receivers that are coming this summer to start yeah, working I mean, with? It, it's, it's, I it, it, will be, it will be it will be the it will be the storyline of 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 uh, of camp. I mean, you're thinking about when Jeremy was here year one. Dormandy decided to transfer in in early January. Jarrett was the only scholarship quarterback on the roster, right? Who was not a declared starter at that point, you know? Because and they they were flying in Keller Chris, Chris to come like watch practice. practice. Yes. <laughs> and now and now they've got more scholarship quarterbacks. Then, then than, I, I didn't do I didn't I haven't gone, yeah and I haven't gone and, and like cross checked every team, but I. You ha- maybe on one hand is there is there you could count the amount of teams in the country that have five scholarship quarterbacks on the roster on a roster. I mean, it's, it's absurd. Yeah, almost. It's, it's, it's a ton. That's for sure. So that's one storyline. We got plenty of other spring storylines uh, coming about that we will discuss and that we will look into uh, as Tennessee gets ready to start spring practice. Of course, we get a chance to see uh, what this staff looks like, how the staff goes to work with uh, Coach Brumball and, and Shelton Felton and, and Joe Osavet and of course, Jay Graham and all those things that are that are going on at this point. So we'll have plenty of coverage of that, plenty of coverage leading up to the start of spring practice as well. Hey, you made an investment into your HVAC system. Now keep it running with Blue Water Climate Control's Smooth smooth Sailing Service Plan. Blue Water offers their clients seasonal inspections, repair discounts, and annual tune-ups for one low annual price or low automatic monthly payments. The Smooth Sailing Service Plan includes semi-annual season and seasonal inspections to perform routine checks, 10% off parts and labor on all HVAC repairs, an annual 40-point diagnostic test of your entire heating and air system, including ductwork, prioritized response to air conditioning repair and maintenance needs, never pay overtime fees for that, that weekend work or after-hour emergencies, and there's a loyalty plan where you can accrue $100 a year towards a replacement heating and air system. Call today and they'll get you a quote over the phone. Don't forget to mention VolQuest, you'll get a discount. So call Blue Water Climate Control at 865-299-2290. That's 865-299-2290 for Blue Water Climate Control. You can check them out online for more details on their smooth sailing service plan. I mentioned Austin, new coaches. We want to see what they look like on the, uh, you know, how they work on the practice field. That's part of uh, this spring that will be interesting. There's a lot of kids who want to see what these guys look like coaching uh, on spring practice. So you'll see some of those guys coming to town for spring ball. But over the course of the next couple of weeks, we're seeing some early returns on Joe Osvet and Jay Graham in terms of guys that look like they're going to come on campus. I think the fact that Peyton Page tweeted out on Thursday that he's coming to campus, and we thought that might happen. You had mentioned that earlier. The fact that he's tweeted out publicly right now, he's scheduled to be here, is a huge deal for Tennessee. Credit to Jay Graham to get him here. Big for him to start to get to know Jimmy Brumball. I think that's a big deal. Yeah, I think it's a big deal, too, because everybody's kind of, I won't say pinned him in for Clemson, but a lot of people started to pencil him in for Clemson. Clemson loves to, you know, take kids off the board early. And if they don't get off the board early, then Clemson moves on to somebody that will because they like to have that recruiting class done. 
So the longer Tennessee can make Peyton Page think, the, the better chance I think Tennessee's got here. The, the longer this goes versus, like, the, you, you know, ultimately you always want to get a kid in as quick as you can. But I think in this instance with Peyton, you know, the longer it goes, the better for Tennessee. And uh, you're right. I mean, Tennessee's up to have several uh, North Carolina kids here next weekend. Travali Price, the defensive end. Obviously, uh, uh, the, the right kid, the running back, um, that, you know, it's kind of burst onto the scene, you know, state track champion in North Carolina. Um, Cayman Marley, who's a top 100 player on Rivals, um, is said to be here. And, of course, uh, you know, also Peyton Page. And then uh, the really good kid out of Havelock in North Carolina um, as well. So uh, Tennessee set up to have those guys. Be, you know, Jeremiah Williams will be here on Sunday. Uh, would kind of expect guys like Junior Colson to try to stop in on Sunday too. They're going to be playing the 7-on-7 seven -seven tournament up in Gatlinburg. Now, some of those teams ended up not making it in. Miller Moss being one of them. Uh, the J3M team's not coming, so that means like, you know, Turntine, Dallin Hayden, all those guys are not going to be in Gatlinburg this weekend, so they won't be over here on Sunday. Um, so, uh, and then, then the, the team out of Alabama as well, um, Southern Express. So, um, you know, it, it's a, maybe not as big a Sunday as they may, may, may have thought, but a lot of those teams kind of backed out because it's not going to be as warm up in Gatlinburg on Saturday and Sunday for that 7-on-7. Seven seven AP, AP, quit messing around. I need, I need some Zach Evans juice. Stop messing around, AP. I'm interested to see if he takes this trip. I mean, I've got some people telling me that it's not a lock, not a lock that he goes down to Gainesville. Well, first so. of all, would anybody be stunned if he didn't? No, correct. I, I mean, mean <laughs> I mean, as much as you would not be stunned if he does, you would not be stunned if he oh, didn't, right? Yeah, I got stopped by Volkwester out to eat two nights ago, and and, and I was like, man, I, I'm not leaning any which way with this kid because the moment I said, give me the way, inside juice, ape. You know, um, but I. I I'm not so sure he takes that trip to Florida. If he does, obviously they got a shot. But if not, then out of the teams left, I kind of like Tennessee. I mean, I, he, you know, I'm not sure he wants to go to Ole Miss, A&M. Everybody around him is telling him not to go there. They've obviously hired Tommy Robinson. Does that, is, that a, is that a swing factor? I don't know if Real it's a factor? swing factor. I don't think it hurts A&M's chances, that's for sure. But I'm not, well, what happened with LSU? Was that a Tommy Robinson thing that he wasn't no longer interested in LSU? Or was that – I think that LSU, was a, like, hey, we're not going to do anything with you. We're moving on. I think deal. that was a we're moving on. Type LSU deal. potentially contacted him after he was committed to Georgia, or after, or after he signed, signed with Georgia. Yeah, signed with Georgia. Okay, and, so, and knew he'd signed with Georgia. Okay, so there, there. Because he was in the. He, remember now, he he was in that that database. Of course, Tennessee did the same thing with Jay Hardy. I'm, you know, I don't know that they contact. I mean. I mean, they, they, they went, went to see him, but Jay didn't him. talk to him. Yeah, that's right. He avoided them. Yeah, he he, he avoided them big time. So, so I'm just saying LSU eliminated themselves. I think they did. I'm not sure that Tommy Robinson eliminated himself. No, I'm just talking about just me. LSU. Because um, uh, it's illegal. But a lot of people concept. close to Evans say, get away. Get get out of Houston. Get out of the A&M yeah. area. That, a lot of people around him are suggesting to him that it would be better off for him to get away from home. That's correct. Okay. Which is, always, which is why A&M's – Kind of always been there, but they've never been a real factor. I mean, it doesn't really make any sense when you think about it. I mean, they're the, literally the hometown school. You know, they're an hour away. I mean, that, that's just that's the story of the documentary. It's Zach Evans calling the recruitment that doesn't make much, much, much they're sense. They're not an hour away if, if Paul Fortenberry's driving you and he is was not aware that there are toll roads in, in Texas. <laughs> Shout out to Fortenberry, back road Fortenberry. <laughs> anything Paul like any, anything to avoid dip. a fifty cent toll. <laughs> so. You won't be surprised if he visits Florida or doesn't. I mean, if he, everybody's assumption is I, that he's going to visit. Yeah, everybody's Florida. assumption is he's going to. And, and the I mean, depth chart down the there visit. looks like it. That would probably make the most sense, almost. Yeah, I disagree. You know, I mean, again, I mean, I, 
when you when you look at it, nothing makes sense about this result. No, exactly. So, you know, I'll say all that, and he's going to end up signing out of left field with you know. Any chance he shows up on the junior college that the running back from Friday Night Lights went to? <laughs> <laughs> Any chance he shows up in the XFL this weekend, <laughs> starting for the Houston team? Um, it, I mean, does he show up unofficially somewhere? I don't think so. No, no unofficial trip to Oxford or to A and M for spring practice, or I mean, you can't or, rule it out. But I mean, at, at this point, I'm going to lean no. But you do think he may take? Do you think he will take the fifth visit somewhere? I do. You think he'll take a fifth, whether it's I, Florida or Oregon or somewhere, you think he will I, take a fifth I, I think visit. Zach Evans gets on a plane and goes visit somewhere. Okay. I mean, I, I'm not sure it's Florida. Right. But you think he'll take the fifth regardless, or you think there's a chance he doesn't? I don't pretend to know. I mean, like, you know, I've got people telling me one thing. Sure. I mean, it changes literally by the day. Yeah, or by the hour in some cases. You know, I, I'll, be sure. the, I'll be real honest, and I want to give the, I want to give the general's quarters a lot of, a lot of credit here. They have not really hounded us on Zach Evans. They've been very, very wise to know there's just not much out there and that this whole month of February has been dead. They could yeah. have pounded us every day, and they really haven't. Well, but the, the all it will build up as the question will be, does he get on the plane to go to Yeah, Kingsville? yeah, well, that's fine. For the 20th, well, right. To a but, movement, because I mean, that's, but everybody knew, I, I think everybody realized nothing was going to happen until he makes the decision. But, on, I mean, they've also had a, a lot of really good basketball and a modestly paid head coach to take their attention. Yeah, no timeouts. <laughs> I think the only person that's asking about Zach Evans is Bassmaster Ball, and you know, he asks about everything. So, but, but much of the discussion has been about timeouts. All right, give me something else on the on the recruiting front. Uh, Dietrich Pennington. Um, I think you know Tennessee's you know right there with Georgia. Um, you know Alabama to me would be kind of the third team there. A lot of people say Clemson, but you know the person I talk to says you know Clemson's not as in as a lot of people think there. Um, you know, the, the state of Tennessee is just kind of weird this year. Um, you know, there's just there's not as many top-end guys, and they're all kind of just spread out. I mean, you got the two kids at Bradley, Tennessee's recruited. you got a couple kids in Middle Tennessee like Turn Time, William Griffin, Junior Colson. Um, you've got, you know, obviously Hudson Wolf and then Dietrich Pennington. And we'll see who else emerges. You know there's always somebody that comes and camps well and, and does those type of things. It's really down in Memphis this year compared yeah, to the yeah, last 2021 couple. 2021 is down. 2022 will be much better, um, you know, in the state and in Memphis. So, Any chance Tennessee gets gets some pull in the West Coast? I mean, it, it, I, I'm not going to say it feels like early 2000s because obviously they, they landed Clausens and then the Clausens helped them recruit out there. But the, the whole the, but Southern Cal's not very good. That, that doesn't look like that's going to end very well UCLA, out there. UCLA has been a struggle. Um you got Oregon, okay, who's who's really good, but the rest of the West Coast is kind of. I mean, you got a transition going on in Washington uh, with uh, a new coach. There's a running there. back out there Tennessee likes. Uh, I'm just seeing them. Miller Moss some, is obviously the Nick right, Brumball they, offered the big big lineman. Right. So any chance they get a little traction? I know they got Henry T a year ago, but you. It's all about getting those kids to campus. I mean, like right. potentially I, the one one of the schools that's actually done a pretty good job the last two cycles. Uh, of taking advantage of the down down teams of, of California and Southern Cal and UCLA is Arizona State. Yeah. I mean, Antonio Pierce and some of those guys ha- have gone in, and now Oklahoma just hired one of the Arizona State's best recruiters for that very reason to get into Southern California um, so, that, so that the Sooners can kind of expand their reach. So I would not be surprised if Tennessee can, continues to make a run in California, but – 
it's much easier to even get to Arizona than it is to yeah, get to Tennessee. It's, it's crazy to think. I mean, back crazy to think. I mean, when you really start, start that, you had the Clausens, Dante Stallworth, Kevin Burnett, Kevin Simon, the Juco don't, kids. Don't forget uh, about the best player out of all of them, Ontario Smith. Ontario Smith. I mean, he was a huge gift. Unbelievable at the time. talent. He but just then, I mean, the, trouble. The, yeah, the Juco kids, Julian Battle, Jabril Wilson, Tawina. Yeah. I mean, it was. I mean, I don't know if it was exactly a pipeline, but it was a steady trickle. Yeah, they certainly feasted on them and, and had a lot of success. I think to get a West Coast kid that far, a you got to get them on campus, and b I think you More have to once. be having success. Yeah, you have to be winning. Yeah, I Tennessee I was rolling. Right. I don't know that they're coming to a lot of you know six, seven, eight win football teams. They got to be coming to a school that's got a legit shot to, to get in the playoff, uh, you know, or, or to compete for a championship. And that was certainly the case back when Tennessee was rolling it on the West Coast. All right, so plenty of stuff to talk about on the GQ. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about basketball, recruiting, get you ready for spring practice, all those things on the General's Quarters, and we'll talk to you next week again on the Blue Water Climate Control VolQuest.com podcast. For Rob Lewis, Austin Price, and Jesse Simpton, I'm Brent Hubbs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend, everybody.